Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this, turn up the volume, and let's go. Let's get in the Word. Are you ready? My, are you ready? It's time. Any UFC fans in the house? I got two. Get there first. Look at the person next to you and say, get there first. I want to talk to you today about a godly vision for your family. You say, I don't have a family. You will one day if you don't. And if you do, you can always be helped by this. Get there first. In the race to the hearts of the next generation, the first one there wins. In the race to the hearts of the next generation, the first one there wins. You can get discouraged and you can say things are bad or you can be positive and say things are good, but understand this. Fear looks at something and says it's nothing, but faith looks at nothing and says there's something to it. And I believe God's doing something big in the earth and I want families and fathers and mothers and parents to care deeply that the heart of Christ, the message of the Bible, and the love of God dwells richly in your children's hearts by faith. It's the most essential thing you can pass on to your kids. It's very important that you raise your children and that you have the kind of family that raises them in the respect and the instruction of the Lord. And one thing I want to tell you that I've not always done well, there always has to be a balance between instruction and joy. I've been heavy on the instruction part at times. The boot camp ran very smoothly, but the joy factor always has to be cranked up, right? Now listen, hell has a vision for your family. Hell has a vision for your kids. And hell has a strategy it's working to affect your family and your children. They're working together to numb them through technology, working together to make your sons and your daughters impotent and directionless and unmotivated with pornography. They wanna enslave them with debt and show them and lead them and sing to them and give them movies that lead them to a deep, dark depression. They want them to be high on, on the devil's lettuce and unmotivated. They want them to be impotent, unmotivated, and numb. Do you hear me? Do you believe that? Do you not see it? It's everywhere. Every building that can get in it, it's turned into a dispensary now for the numbing of our society. Hell wants your kids to be genderless, wants your sons to be weak, wants your sons to believe that masculinity is toxic, wants to pump them full. This is not, this is not, this is just Tyler talking. They want to pump them full of factory-made chemicals. Back to the things that pertain to the word of God. Want to control their mind with engineering and programming and want you to raise bitter daughters and godless sons full of hatred, all judgment, no grace, no anger, no love, no motivation, no hope, no vision, embracing everything but God's best for their marriage and their life. But a vision for what God is and what God can do is a bridge to the future that the Lord wants every father and mother to have. And it starts with dads. 
Starts with dads, have a vision for your children. You point your kids in the direction you want them to go, like arrows to be shot. Like, like children, your children are messengers that you're gonna send to a time that you're not gonna see. Your children, your sons and daughters are messengers you're gonna send to a time that you will not see. I'm calling out to people that have been coming here. You've been observing the vision and, 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 and I'm asking you to make the transition to owning the vision because church is not a building you come to, it's a people you belong to. And the church says, yeah. And the church says, yeah. Oh, there we go. So in the race for the hearts and minds of the next generation, whoever gets there first wins. These are not new problems, but we are in a new era where depression and anxiety are so heightened. It's, it, it, it's, the, it's the programming. It's the, it's the climate. It's the spirit of the age. It's the antichrist in the earth. Kids need Jesus. Teens need Jesus now more than ever. And there, there are so many confusing slogans and so many confusing things. The world wants you to believe that love is love, but the truth of the matter is God is love. The church wants you to believe that love wins, but uh, the world wants you to believe that love wins, but ultimately God is love and he wins. And understand something, Sundays are important. Wednesdays are important. Engaging spiritually with your children, engaging the word of God in your home, letting the music that is played in your life reflect the glory of God is super important. You are the gatekeeper of your house, sir. How many of you men love a good story where the father comes to the front door and faces somebody down on his front porch? Come on, I love them. There's not one story if somebody tells me, they're telling me, and this guy came, he thought he was gonna do something. My, I, when you think of somebody hurting your daughter, the rage that just boils up inside of you without any kind of, you know, it's just there. Oh, I'm full of rage and I will destroy you. Fathers, are you sitting there or listening to me? How many of y'all dads would jack somebody up if they hurt one of your kids? I feel like that was unanimous. Spiritually speaking, we have to have that same vigor and passion when it comes to being a gatekeeper spiritually for our homes so that we feel the same robust emotion to protect our kids from what hell is trying to push down our family's collective throats. I love you. I'm a little fired up today. I wore a super happy silken shirt to soften the message. But it, it just, it's in me this morning that we are fathers, the gatekeeper of your house. Gatekeeping your kids' media exposure is important, people. Psalm 145 and 4 says we should not just allow everything society has to affect our families, but Psalm 145 and 4 says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I send my kids videos of, of, of moves of God, of things the Lord is doing. I tell them how God changed my life. I tell them of how God saved their grandparents and how God used their great-grandparents, only on my wife's side, not my side, my wife's side. I, I tell them at the dinner table, as often as I can get them together, which when they become teenagers becomes you know, less and less. You gotta be super intentional. But God has five recipes that are not political issues, they're kingdom designs. I tell my kids, the family is God's institution. I tell my kids, God established a church. I tell my kids, Genesis five and two, God created both male and female. 
I tell them that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. I tell them that human sexuality is one man and one woman in covenant with each other and that you should wait till you're married to, you know, as I, as I dish out the fettuccine Alfredo. Let me tell you something, sons. Like, whoever gets their first wins. And so when it came time to give my kids the talk, I wasn't relishing it, but I knew I had to be first because they started riding the school bus. And I realized I gotta tell them or somebody else gonna tell them. So I went and got a refrigerator box behind Lowe's and I cut it to where I had a big cardboard, cardboard piece and I put it up in my shop and I brought the sons out and said, sons, we're having the talk today. And I got there and I had a big black marker and I drew everything out. <laughs> I drew pictures. I told them about the word of God. I said, this is God's design for your life, and this is how all that works. It was uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. They enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> but the first one there wins. <laughs> You're thinking, what kind of church did I come to today? I just, I'm telling you, this is real. This is as real as I know how to be. The first one there wins. And so when they had questions, as out there as they were, they would come to me first. Listen, government is supposed to restrain vice and church is supposed to promote virtue. But the government's getting closer and closer to restraining the virtue of the church and definitely promoting godless virtue. And if we all live long enough, we're gonna experience the same time of godless and idle promotion that they saw in the Old Testament where they worshiped Baal, Ashtoreth, Moloch, Molech, and Dagon, just like the Old Testament. We are in a spiritual war today, and the supernatural, the power of God, the word of God must be central to your homes. I can tell you times when I would come to my house, and my mom didn't do everything right, but I'd walk in the house and she'd be kneeled by her bedside praying, and I could feel angels in the house. I could feel the presence of God in the house, the keeping power, the strengthening power of God. Listen, praying parents hold the gatekeeper's door to their house. It's not to say that they're not gonna struggle. You better clap if you believe it. Not to say. Not to say there's not gonna be struggles. Not to say there's not gonna be difficulties. Not to say that your kids aren't gonna still surprise you, but we're in a spiritual war today and the biggest part of setting the tone is establishing the rhythm. Say rhythm. Never wondered if I was going to church on Sunday, not because it was church, it's because it was the house of God. It's where Jesus was preached. It's where the Holy Spirit moved in the collective body of Christ. I blew out my knee one time. I mean, I blew out my knee. I was with my dad in a, in a, in a, in a I went to a gym unsupervised very young. I got on the weight sled and I blew out my knee and it hurt so bad. I mean, it was, it was pain. It was, the pain was so bad I slept for a solid week because they didn't take me to the doctor for some reason. And I came home and I'm, I'm just moaning and I'm hurt. And Thursday night Bible study came around and I found my pain-filled carcass in the car going to church. Now, was that 
perfect? Probably not. I was in a lot of pain. But I've never, ever, ever not wanted to come to the house of the Lord because I realized things happen here and they happen in the presence of God that don't happen anywhere else. Say, get there first. Second Kings 6 and 8. When the king of Aram was at war with God's people, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, say immediately, Elisha, the prophet of God, the man of God, would warn the king. It was like God gave Elisha, can I say Holy Ghost radar? <laughs> Glory to God. Can I say he gave him a, a homing beacon in his spirit? God pinged his heart and let him know that something was up and you need to react. The man of God would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Armenians or the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. And the king of Aram became very upset over, that, over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel my plans? In verse 12, they said, it's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Elisha, had a supernatural ear, had an ear in tune with the supernatural voice of God and was able to give a word to the people of God before the evil king trying to destroy them ever could get his forces in alignment. I'm telling you, that's what God can do for praying people. That's what God can do for faithful people. That's what God is gonna do with the courageous church for this generation and the next. It's let us get there first. We need the Spirit of God to empower us to get to the vulnerable places first. The devil wants first and second graders questioning God's design for their lives. In the halls of government, the, the, the state is trying to upend God's designs. One of, the, one of the earliest ploys of the enemy in Scripture is to basically create doubt and ask the question, hath God said? And the goal is to take the parent out to, to, to neutralize the parent's voice, to, to frustrate parental resolve. Listen, parents, we're either gonna have to lower the bar or be strengthened by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm feeling this a lot stronger than some of y'all are today, and so I'm just gonna roll with it. I will sweat myself silly this morning telling you that it's not time to move the bar. It's time to pray unto God. It's not time to compromise on what the Word of God says. It's time to strengthen your resolve and start praying in that house and change the atmosphere. Well, you've come in contact with an old school Holy Ghost preacher today, people. <laughs> Listen. I am not concerned about the darkness of the world. I'm concerned about the light in our hearts being bright. And so the enemy wants to take your kids out before they ever get started. 
He wants to discourage your children before they ever, they ever get started. But we got to win the race to the next generation. We are empowering and training the next generation. We are skillfully and effectively preparing teaching and training and environments that surround them with support and encourage their hearts. And we teach biblical, Christian, Jesus principles to our children, both the virtues and the values of Christianity, week in and week out to your children, get ready, for free. What a bargain. What a bargain. And so here we go. Everybody put your seatbelts on. If you treat church and your faith and, 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 and your faithful family participation as an option, I'm afraid your kids will grow up to treat the Lord Jesus as unnecessary. Listen, the spirit of the age wants to destroy the identity and belief within your kids. Anybody know about the, there's a story in the Bible of the three Hebrew boys. I want to read to you the strategy of the, the spirit of the age and the government and how they were trying to twist the identities of the children. And, and there's no new thing under the sun, so the same thing happening then is happening now. Are you ready? Daniel chapter 1, here we go, verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He said, select only strong and healthy and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. They're not Babylonians, but train them to know the language and literature of Babylon. The chief of staff, here's what I want to key, on, the chief, the key in on. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. Let's look at the meaning of those names and the strategy of hell to change the identity of kids. Daniel means God is my judge. Belteshazzar means lady, protect the king. Let me break it down for you. On paper, they're trying to change his gender. They're trying to demean, they're using culture to demean him and remove any sense of pride in who he was. Before he was a man accountable to God, now they considered him a woman whose job it was to protect the king and the state. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach means I am fearful of God. Do you understand the plot of hell to weaken their resolve of your children, to change their hope in God, the fear of God? Mishael means who can compare to my God? No one. But Meshach means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Azariah means Yahweh, that means God, has helped. Abednego means the servant of Nebo. Understand something. That was hell's plan then. That is hell's plan now. But the God that we still serve can show up supernaturally and rewrite stories regardless of the tensions that your children are facing in their schools, that the tension you're facing as parents. God is the one who writes the stories because when they threw these kids in the fire, there was a fourth man in the fire and it was the presence of God. It was God himself showed up to help. 
Anybody saved in the house today? One of the things we do, I want you to put the, the tool on the screen for C Kids. One of the things that we do, you know, we, we, teach, we teach your kids every week. We have a plan. Right now we're teaching the little ones, the little, little, little ones, like zero to kindergarten. Jesus loves me. This is the bottom line. That's what we're teaching them, right? We're teaching about how much God loves them. We're teaching them how they're created in the image of God. We're teaching them that, that, that God has created them uniquely in exactly how he wants them to be because the first one there wins, right? The older ones, the first graders to the fifth graders. Right now we're teaching them respect, a virtue of Christianity. We're teaching them to love others and include others. We're encouraging them. To, to, to encourage them to build others up and make other people feel important. We're teaching them that they always need to speak the truth in love. We're teaching them that they can, they can trust God no matter what, right? And, and, and one of the things that you can do as a parent is on the app, if you, if you click the connect button at the bottom and then scroll down to parent resources, we have a parent Facebook group where parents that are bringing their kids to, to church together can discuss. And then all of the lessons are updated week after week, where if you're with your children and it's at nighttime, or you wanna share with them a verse, or you wanna do something, you can reinforce what we're teaching them on Sundays. And hopefully that's reinforcing what you're teaching them already. Listen, there's tools to help you. And we're doing all that, look at your neighbor, say for free. Say free 99. So I want you to see something with me. There are moments when you have, you know, bad parenting moments. God knows I've had my fair share of them. There have been times when I should have prepared myself mentally for the chaos. Remember one time I came home, long day. The kids had gotten in each other's diapers and smeared doo-doo all over the house. You know, I'm glad there's not cameras of my reaction in that moment because I lost it. True story, I lost it. I had to go get a Q-tip and remove all the excrement from the holes of the speakers and the TV. One by one. Wasn't my best parenting moment. I, I definitely could have handled that better. I could have laughed it off and said, this is a priceless memory, but I wasn't there in my headspace. I didn't, I didn't do it. I, I, I have to tell you, I responded to anger. And... Uh, but I, I'm not gonna let one bad parenting moment define me. You know, uh, Rachel was giving birth to her son and uh, it was, it was, she lost her life in, taking, in giving birth to that son and she called his name Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob said, no, we're not gonna call him that, we're gonna call him Benjamin, which means son of my strength. Just because you've had a bad moment, change the story, repent. Go to your kids and say, I screwed up. My God, I've done it. It is so hard to do it, but I've done it and I should do it more probably. God, I wish you guys had to hold a microphone one time and talk about your parenting. <laughs> it's a real humbling thing, especially in the presence of your spouse. The story goes on. The story I started with, who gets there first? God was speaking to Elisha in his bed about what the king was thinking in his bedroom because God will help you get there first. Do you hear me? God will help you get there first. God will make up for lost time. God can rewrite the story and turn it around. You don't want to raise a generation of little hopeless atheists. You want to raise children full of faith and strength who know who they are, know whose they are, and have an identity from God. Amen? Second Kings 6.13. This is the evil king talking. He said, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. 
And the report came back, Elisha's at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And the young man was afraid and he came back to Elisha and said, oh, sir, what will we do now? Verse 16, Elisha says, in the face of all that's against us, we can feel the same way. Oh, what are we going to do now? 16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Just like here, the same for you, the battle you're in will become peripheral when the supernatural becomes central to how you're leading your home and how you're interacting with the adversity that we're all facing as people living for God in this evil day. Because people, church, there's more for us than against us. Amen, somebody. Hell's not going to have this generation. Have you been watching the news? Revival is breaking out at college campuses across America right now. There is more with us. God is moving in this hour. God is strengthening the church. God is helping parents who will ask God to help them. We are not going to lose a generation. We'll raise up sons and daughters who will do what the Bible says, which is prophesy and speak the word of God. And if the church believes that in its soul, somebody say yes. Get there first. You can't just offload the spiritual climate of your home to coming to church, although it's super important. We have to change the atmosphere. And so I'm asking you to double down on your commitment to raise your kids in the fear. The Bible says fear, but it's respect and admonition, the Bible says, which means instruction. The respect and instruction of the Lord of God. There is more with us than there is against us. And this is a supernatural battle. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.